0: Good to have you with us here at Bethel. Good job leading, singing, and tarried on. And Larry, thank you for a good prayer. If you would, you can be looking at John chapter 7. We're going to start there with a lesson this morning. Beginning with verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, For he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand. Prior to this in chapter 6, Jesus had been with his disciples, and many of his disciples were beginning to abandon him. They were beginning to quit and, and go back and quit following him. He looked at those who were closest to him, those 12 that had been with him, and he asked them, do you want to leave too? Peter answered him and says, where, where would we go? Because we have come to believe that you are the Son of God, that you are the Christ. And Jesus' time, you know, you think about how disheartening that this, this time may have been for him because here was disciples that were leaving, abandoning him. It comes close to the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Actually, it's probably more accurate to call it the Feast of Booths. Now, if you know anything about them, by the way, if you are a follower of Jewish tradition, the Feast of Booths would have ended last week. It was in October, and it's one of those celebrations that come in September, October, usually. There's another in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Now, these were big, big things. But the Feast of Tabernacles, it was one of the big three pilgrimage feasts. One that you would make your, your journey to Jerusalem to celebrate, to participate In that feast, and Jesus at this time of the year, which would have been around this time of year, with his disciples, but what do you know about the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, the Feast of Tabernacles, if you look at it, had uh, some specific things that were celebrated, Actually, it ha- happened at the, this time of the year, and as you know, this time of the year is a time of harvest. And so the Jews would honor the harvest, the provision made by God to them. And it's always nice as a farmer, whenever you harvest, it's, it's a time of rest. But it's also a time of, of looking forward to the next coming year, you know, there's never a time when you don't look forward. The Feast of Tabernacles was a time to not only look back, but a time to look forward. It celebrated God's provision for his, his people, his, their dependence on him. To remember his care for redeeming them from the bondage of Egypt. Also his provision while 40 years in the wilderness. God took care of his people. Also, it was a reminder of the command that was given to them to leave their permanent dwellings that would have been in Egypt, to live in more fragile, temporary booths or temporary dwellings. And many today, in celebrating that, build booths. They'll have sides on them and they'll use palm branches as their roof. And in this, this time of year, when you look at the Feast of Tabernacles, there are some things that, that were specific to them. There's, there's literally daily rituals that they would do. If you look at Leviticus chapter 23, it gives you some details of it, but there's some more details that were that were added in the oral traditions that in this feast took place. For example, this was the most, by the way, this was the most joyous festival that they celebrated in. Now this was, you know, this was big. This was big. I mean, how, do you, how would I describe it? Religious in nature, but this was a rock concert. <laughs> this was big. It was celebrated. It was glorious. It was a time when there was a lot of happiness and joy. And it was a seven-day celebration. I actually, may have even extended into an eighth day. And on this, here's what would happen. One of the things is three daily things that may happen on this, and I'm going to try to get through these fairly fast. One of them was the daily rituals. Was the priest would walk out the front of the temple, and as they walked out of the temple gate, if you if you picture the temple, it faced east. Actually, our church house faces east. They would walk out of that. And then they would face the sun as it was rising out of the east. And then they would turn their backs on the sun and face the temple. Part of what they would recite is, Our fathers worship the sun. Our eyes are turned toward the Lord. Part of that daily ritual. And so if you can can imagine that pop. And, and pageantry that went with this. Because remember, the sun god was worshipped in Egypt. Another ritual at night, and this would have been a sight to behold. <clears throat> at night they would have like four huge pillars in the temple courts, tall. And, and in these they would be filled with oil. And I'm not sure how they were lit, but they were tall somewhere or another. But literally, it, it said that, that priest's old garments were rolled up and soaked and used as wicks up in these things, real tall, and they were lit up of a night to illuminate the temple area. And again, much singing and praising towards God was done. And as they would do this, a procession carrying the torches, small torches to light, They would recite Psalms 120 through 134. And there was 15 steps as they would step up to the courts, out of the court, or to the court of women. And there was one psalm recited for each step as they stepped up. Very much a ritual. But can you imagine seeing this temple court lit up and bright with the torches, these big tall pillars, illuminating The temple of the Lord. The next daily thing that happened was the water libation. At the beginning of this week, they would go down to the Pool of Siloam, dip up water, and carry it very ceremoniously up to where the altar was. And as they carried it up, they would recite what they called the great halal, the great praise. And it came out of Psalms 113 through 118. And they would take two silver bowls. And and daily, the ritual was at the altar to take this bowl of wine and pour it out onto the altar. Remember the statement that it was Paul who said, as if I'm being poured out onto the altar as wine? Probably where he got this. And then the bowl of water would be poured out on the altar also. And this water representing the provisions of God, that what he had done for them, provided for them, but also the provision that God would do in the future, providing the rain, the water, that they would need for their crops to survive. And on the last day, it was a very ceremonious ritual. They would march around the altar seven times and then pour this out. And in this setting of great ceremony is Jesus. By the way, the Sadducees really didn't have a high opinion of of this. doesn't surprise you, does it? Because we read in the New Testament a lot of times the Sadducees, there's a lot of things that they weren't happy with. But during this great ceremony, great ritual, as we pick up our reading again. Verse 3. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here to go to Judea, that your disciples may also see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret, while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to him, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that it works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. You see, Jesus, his own brothers, now understand it says his brothers. I take that means his brother's. They just couldn't grasp the concept of who Jesus was, but Jesus, if you're, you know, it's kind. Of, Jesus, if you, if you're, if you're, your mission here, if you're going to complete it, you need to go out and do these things so they'll see you. You don't need to be afraid of those people, but you understand the Jews were looking to kill him, so Jesus was hanging out in Galilee. And avoid in Judea right now at this time. So he sent his brothers on, so they go on. So you understand, during this feast they were there. Jesus shows up to this feast. And if you look at this, and you look at this, Jesus is there. And, and, and notice what it says in John chapter 7, beginning on verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, Now understand, understand. Here's this this great feast, this ceremony. The last day of the feast, the climax of everything, these people, these traditions, these things that are going on. They're pouring the water out on the altar with the great ceremony. And back, Jesus stands And shouts, If any man thirst, let him come to me. Can you imagine? If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers Of living water. Man, you can just about see everybody around the temple area stop and look at this man. Some taking it in, some probably without a doubt sneering. Who does he think he is? Some of them respond. He's a prophet. Some responded with belief. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. And it says they tried to take hold of him, but they couldn't. And then when those who tried to take hold of him, when they went to the authorities, they say, why didn't you bring him? No man ever talked like he did. No man has ever spoke like he has spoken. Quite a disruption in this this ceremony. And then, while we're that, we run into Nicodemus again in this chapter. You know, we, just, we run into Nicodemus just a few places, you know. This is the same Nicodemus of chapter 3 in John, who came to him by night and asked his question. And, and you can see the, the, the judge, the lawyer of Nicodemus come through in this. And, and, and Nicodemus says, well, well, do we condemn a man by not hearing, by not listening, what he says by not hearing what he's saying and not seeing what he is doing. And they kind of take a slap at, at Nicodemus or a, a kind of jab at him. Are you from Galilee too? Haven't you read there's not a prophet that comes out of Galilee? Apparently, whoever said that, whichever the authorities it was, Neglected to read Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 because it kind of indicates if I understand it correctly, it indicates that yeah, there is one coming out of Galilee. You know, sometimes Scriptures can be right in front of us and we kind of overlook what it really says. But man, during this ceremony, Jesus opens up, literally telling them, if you're thirsty, if you're spiritually thirsty, you come to me. I'll give you water, You can drink of it and and wells will just, just, just flow out of you. And if you read the rest of that passage down through there in 39, he says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing him could receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was pointing toward the time when he would redeem his people. He's pointing to the time... Of the church. Remember the water being poured out? Thankfulness for the redemption that God and the deliverance that God had given and His provisions that He had made for His people coming to, but also for the provisions that He was going to provide in the future. And here is Jesus saying, If you thirst, come after me. Jesus was pointing ahead for the provisions for us in this. Pretty neat. And there's Nicodemus. Nicodemus standing there saying, maybe we ought to listen to him. Maybe we should hear what he has to say before we condemn him. Maybe we ought to see what he does before we do that. We turn back the clock just a little bit. On this. Earlier in John chapter 4. And you remember this story. You, you have heard it before. In John chapter 4. He, he goes up to Jacob's well. And while he is there. This Samaritan lady. Comes to get water. And Jesus talks with her. And as Jesus is talking with her there, you notice what he says. Verse 7, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. When the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew asked a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and notice in this Jesus answered and said to her If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water Jesus offers living water to this to this lady If she, you know, if she had asked. And as, what's unusual? And as this lady says that the the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And we know that many times that if if Jews were traveling from Galilee to Judea or Judea to Galilee, they sometimes would cross over the Jordan, go up the other side so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria to, to avoid Hopefully none of y'all have been that way when you walk down the streets. There's some people that I really just don't want to be around sometimes. And boy, it's real tempting just so I don't have to face them or greet them or say, how do you do? I'll cross over and get on the other sidewalk just to avoid them. That's the way the Jews were. But Jesus in talking with this lady, The conversation. The woman said to him, Sir, if you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Boy, that's a question, isn't it? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and as the well, his sons, and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This, this water, this, this gift that Jesus offers this lady, she's beside herself. Can you imagine the answer? You know, this, this lady's pretty observant. This lady is fairly well versed in this and you can kind of see some... She's drawing out Jacob's well and this is the well that, you know... She asked Jesus, Are you greater than Jacob? You know, wouldn't it have been something if right there he just said, Yep. By the way, Later on, we'll see what his answer to her was. But you think about the living waters that Jesus offers. The promise that he offers. That it wells up into us and became, become streams of living water. The teachings of Jesus. The scripture that he talks about. The gospel that we share wells up out of us through our love, our respect, our obedience to His Word, which touches people and becomes living water that they can have eternal life that Jesus is talking about with this woman. And it's pretty amazing that with this woman, that that Jesus, you know, He tells her, go get your husband. Well, this lady had had many husbands. And Jesus just literally lays out her life in front of her there. But notice in in verses chapter four and <clears throat> in, in four and in verses twenty one through through twenty four. Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me." By the way, they had had a discussion on where they worshipped and and true worship, and true religion, and, you know, those things. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so with this lady, Jesus lays out again the plan for the church. There's going to come a time when you worship in spirit and in truth. The truth. In God's word. The truth. In being obedient to it. In spirit. In knowing. That once we are members. Of his body. Once we are obedient. To what he says to do. The living waters. Cleanse us. And washes within us. It seems that this lady was very impressed with this discussion with Jesus Christ. Because she said, I've heard that there's going to come a Messiah. There's going to come a Christ, one who's going to set everything the way it should be. Jesus looked at her and told her, I, who am speaking to you, am He. The one speaking to you right now. He told her, I'm the Messiah. You know what's unique about this? And correct me if I'm wrong on this. This is one of the first occasions that Jesus acknowledges who He is to somebody. Somebody. And of all people, it's a Samaritan. Somebody that the Jews despise. And Jesus said, I'm him. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the Messiah everybody's expecting. Through Jesus Christ, this lady learns about living waters. Isn't it something that the promised Messiah gives us living waters to meet our spiritual needs? I'm not sure of the exact timetable. This was before he went to the Feast of Tabernacles and made his declaration. And literally at that Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus was making his declaration that here's the Messiah. If you're thirsty, listen to me. If you're spiritually thirsty, if you're spiritually stagnant, if you're spiritually in need, I'm the fountain you need to drink out of. Because once you do, it's going to be more than you can imagine how the spiritual needs will be met to the point that you will just overflow with spiritual blessings for not only yourself, but other people. And in the same sense, and isn't it it remarkable that we talk about water that Jesus still provides through our, for our spiritual needs, through just as, as that ceremony of pouring out, they look forward. We, through the waters of baptism, can look forward to a spiritual growth through fountains of living water coming out because we have done what Jesus said to do, through obedience to Him, through baptism. see there's a there's a kind of a, a a comparison there of what we need to do unique <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the messiah that was promised from the old testament He is the Son of God. When He says He can provide living waters, when He says He can provide the spiritual blessings that we need, not only now and in the past, but in the future, it's Him. And many of us may be like Peter there in chapter 6. We think... Everybody else can leave you. But where do we go? Because Jesus, we know what you have done. Has shown us that you're the Son of God. You are the Christ. This morning, if you have not acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Son of God and acknowledged Him as our Lord an opportunity to do that if we come to him if we if we confess him before others we know that he will confess us before the fathers and the angels in heaven if we come forward and if we are buried with him in the waters of baptism raised to walk in a newness of life like the discussion we had in in the young adult class we're a new creature We've turned our back on sin. Much like those priests in this ceremony at the Feast of the Tabernacles, not worshiping the sun gods of where they come out of Egypt, but turning to face our Lord. What are you waiting on? The time is coming. Jesus said that the true worshiper of God will worship in spirit and in truth. Folks, that time is now. The truth is now is let's be obedient to the gospel. Let's confess him before others every day. Let's repent of our sins. Let's turn our back on sin. Let's be buried with him in baptism. Let's walk in a newness of life. And then let's become fountains of living waters because of our obedience to His Word. Or maybe we have slid away and need to be restored. If you want to come forward, we will pray for you and we will take care of that. Whatever it may be, please, please, look into these living waters that Jesus promised. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?